You are listening to the Burrows of Berea. All right. I'm good. So uh, if, 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 we, if you need anything else today. <laughs> oh, I like it, yeah. <laughs> Mo- mobile Ralph. <laughs> Ralph is dancing around his microphone. Thank you, Andy, for always bringing that out. We always forget in a podcast you have to tell people what's going on because yeah, exactly. no one has a clue yeah. what's going on. But, yeah. Well, welcome back to the Flock of Donkeys. <laughs> we got a oh Jenny with us today. Yeah. We got a Jenny with us. You know what a Jenny is? Is it a female? We got Cherry Lewis. Uh, yeah. Female donkey. Oh. A Jenny? A I Jenny. Didn't know that. Yep. And the male is a Jack. A jackass. Jackass, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so if it's jackasses uh, and uh, Jenny. A jack has been fixed. It's a gilding. Or some people call it a John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you cut his nuts, he becomes a John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the most famous name in the Bible. Yeah, exactly. That's excellent. A fixed donkey. <laughs> Say hi, Cherry. Hi. I'm so Ooh, glad you're here. That was restrained. <laughs> Don't worry. She'll get, she'll get unhinged here in a minute. Oh, yeah. No, probably not. No, Cherry is a very good friend of mine. I've known her for probably eight or probably eight or nine years, I would say. Mm-hmm. I've known you for a little bit longer than I've known these guys. And Cherry is also a believer. And we've had a lot of great talks over the years. Yeah, we really have. We we like to dive deep into the scriptures and talk about it and get into it. So I'm so glad that you're here. So welcome back, everybody, to the boroughs of Berea with the new Jenny Cherry. She's coming in. She's coming in today. And uh, we're going to be talking about... Uh, I was going to go with the resurrection, and then I decided to stop for a second because I really wanted to get into the burial a little bit more. And you've got your Bible, Ralph. I do. Do you mind going to... Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and um, we're just going to jump right into this thing. The Apostle Paul makes a very distinct statement about sharing the gospel and what the gospel is. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, read verse 1 through the first half of verse 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's it. That's good. I wanted to bring out that point about, and he was buried. When we share the gospel with people or we talk about Jesus, we don't really talk about the burial that much. We usually talk about how he fulfilled the scriptures, how he was the Messiah, how he had lived, how he was crucified, how that he died, and we talk about his resurrection. The burial is kind of like the proof to everybody that he died. That's it. That's exactly what it is. And it was necessary because there's so many people that have, you know, in his time, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection, Right. The Pharisees, they did believe in the resurrection. Later in, I think it's in the book of Acts, Paul actually uses it against each other. You know, he he argues about the hope of glory in the future for the resurrection, which, you know, probably caused a skirmish between the two groups, you know. But the burial was necessary. There was some, there was a, a couple of men, I think it was Hymenaeus and Philetus, I think is the name of them, that were stirring up the crowd saying that the resurrection had already happened. And there were already these... Well, and they were the soldiers were paid afterwards to say that they uh, that he had gotten out, so there was a lot of that going on. 
Yeah. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees were paying other people to go and say things that weren't true to people. Mm-hmm. Did you read any of this, Sherry? Yes. Yeah. Whenever you, whenever someone shared the gospel with you, did did the burial stick out to you at all? No. No. How about you? No. It was just it was cross and then resurrection. Yeah. And and, and I guess it's uh, I guess the burial is proof that he was man too. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 had died. So, but yeah, no, I, I had never really thought about it until you sent me the stuff. I never really thought about it either, but I'm more, I'm more directly fascinated because a burial is something you assume, right? Or I just assumed, so I didn't think about it. But, but the idea of a of a disinformation smear campaign surrounding mm-hmm. his burial, that's, I won't fun was the word I was going to say, but fascinating is at least the truth. At least fascinating is the truth. It's like a great drama, you know. Whenever you when you read how the Pharisees go in unto Pilate and they're like, look, they call Jesus a deceiver. They say he was a deceiver. He told, he told them that he was going to rise three days, you know, from now. But did you notice that all the disciples had kind of like run off? It's like they forgot about it. But how interesting that the Pharisees remembered it. You know, the disciples were at this point, John's like, I'm going fishing, you know? So, the Pharisees, unbeknownst to us, because we don't really know and understand Jewish law, like of course, like they did, but because of the time when Jesus was crucified, being on the 14th of Nisan, which is the Passover, or the preparation day for the Passover, they have the Passover for the evening meal. It begins the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the 15th. That is a high Sabbath day, okay? Now, there's a lot of groups that argue about what that high Sabbath day means. Does it mean that um, there's a it's a double Sabbath, so it's a Saturday, but it's also a high day because the Feast of Unleavened Bread fell on that particular Saturday? Or did it—because Jesus himself said, while he was alive, he said that a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and the Pharisees wanted him to give some sort of a miraculous sign. And he wouldn't do it. And he said, I, I won't give you any sign other than the sign of the prophet Jonah. Just as he was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish or the whale or the sea monster or whatever it is, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You can't reconcile if he is buried on a Friday, shortly before 6 p.m. at twilight, that he's put in the grave on a Friday, which we call Good Friday and we celebrate and then you take 24 hours from that day, and that's the the Sabbath, which is that Saturday. That's the going into the second day. We're probably about 27 hours in, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into Sunday morning prior to sunrise, and he's risen. That's not three days and three nights. It doesn't work that way. So if it was a true three days and three nights, that would be 72 hours in the grave, if that's what he meant. The the Jews believed, the, the way, that wasn't that they believed, but God had said in the Torah in the, in the beginning of Genesis, an evening in the morning was the first day, an evening in the morning was the second day. So the Jewish culture, they start their day in the evening. We do too. Our day starts at midnight. You know, it does. 1 a.m., we're in the, the next day. We do the same thing. But for us, like during the day, like, you know, eight o'clock the next day, that's when our day starts. But for them, it was the evening prior. So he wasn't in the ground 72 hours, theoretically, if he went in on a Friday if he was crucified on a Friday and then taken off of the, the cross and then put in the grave prior to 6 p.m., prior to evening, then 
he can't be in the grave for 72 hours. Do you see that? But he could be dead for 72 hours because he died on the cross before they put him in the grave. Well, he gave up the ghost at a specific time, right? 3 p.m. And when he gave up the ghost, and it says that, it was at 3 p.m. is whenever he gave up the ghost. I was going to ask where that came from. Just interesting, tiny point of order. 3 p.m.? Yes. Yeah, so... What happened with the 3 p.m., the reason why is because on the 14th of Nisan at 3 p.m. is the exact time the chief priest is to slaughter the Passover lamb. While Jesus is dying on the cross, and I think I said this in the last podcast, yeah, yeah. the chief priest was slaughtering the lamb. the lamb. The chief priest is slaughtering the lamb. He's taking the blood and he's about to apply it to the mercy seat and the holy of holies in the temple. If you remember when Jesus died, it says that the earth shook, the rocks broke, and that the veil of the temple was rent. That means that the chief priest was in the room with the blood at the mercy seat, which was, the mercy seat was gone. The Ark of the Covenant's been gone forever. You know, since Jeremiah's time, it disappeared, carried off to Babylon. No one knows where it went. But there's, he, he's in this holy of holies, and the veil is rent. No one was allowed to go in that room. Okay, so that's the time Jesus died, 3 p.m. So from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., a lot of things happen. And what's amazing is it's actually prophesied. Did you know that his burial was prophesied? His actual burial. Did anybody know that? No, I didn't. Did you know that? No. So I I think, did anybody read what I sent? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Um. Ralph, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to read each of these accounts, and we'll start with Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 57 and end the chapter. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive, now how the deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, so the last deception will be for worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Thank you, Ralph. So whenever he says, You have a guard... The way that I read it, I always thought that it was the Roman guards that were in front of the tomb, but it sounds to me like he's saying, you have a guard. Go and seal it the best way you know how. In other words, it's kind of like, that's your problem. But I've always thought it was the Roman guards. Do yeah, you see I, that in the way that you read it? When I read it this morning, that's, that's what I assumed. Because they had the temple guards. But I don't know. When you read the other ones, it's kind of like, it's the Roman guards. Ralph, you're going to go to uh, Mark 15? 42? Yes. And I, as he takes the Bible, Bible oh, it makes it, it very uncomfortable. It is around. perfection. <laughs> now, just, just, again, to explain what is happening. 
Ralph is is pantomiming in a huge way, being properly on the mic while he reads. And it this this brings me great joy. <laughs> All right, please continue, Ralph. Now, when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went in to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought fine linen, took him down, and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus observed where he was laid. When we talked about Joseph before, I don't know if I really got into this or not, but Joseph of Arimathea is mentioned in all four Gospels. And it's, it's not often that the, 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 you get the same account in all four. Yeah, it's not. And I, and I know that there are some distinct differences, but the Joseph of Arimathea part is the same. And did you notice that it says that he, in, in Mark, it says that he got courage? He was a secret disciple. And I think— He and know, Nicodemus. Huh? He and Nicodemus. Exactly. They both got courage from this. They and, did. And, and even the apostles, uh, because as you said earlier, they kind of forgot. And they, I always was, it's funny that you said earlier that they forgot, because I'd always had a question in my mind. If you knew that he was risen, why did you question so heavily when he arose and came to you and then doubted that it was him? I think it's safe to say, I mean, they, they watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. Right, but they weren't waiting for him to rise. Right. Why weren't they waiting? I mean, they should have been saying, okay, well, you know, he said he'd be here in three days, so we should be rejoicing and waiting for him to get here. Yeah, I mean— And none of that ever happened. Exactly. I mean, all of the disciples, like, failed miserably here right at the end. Well, all oh, the, I would have been Peter. I would have said, did. it wasn't me, it wasn't me. I would have been running for the hills. Well, yeah, and that's just it. But if you've watched him raise people from the dead, if you've watched him— Walk on water. Pull out the demons. I mean, all of the work that he did. The transfiguration on top of the mountain where you saw Moses and Elijah. And Peter's like, I want to build a tabernacle for all of them here. They saw all that in this three and a half year ministry. But then when it's time for him to die, remember he'd been teaching, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. I mean, they all were right there with him. So how much easier would you say it is for us to hide our faith? And to be afraid when nobody's seen anything. Right. Right? I mean, have you seen any demons rumped out of anybody before? No. What's your thought on Joseph of Arimathea? Do you have any thoughts on him? Well, I mean, considering all the pressure he had, I could see why he feared being open. I mean, you're watching this whole group of people go through what they went through. You know, I can see why he didn't want to step out. It'd be, I never, I never, uncomfort, it'd be make you very uncomfortable. I never really thought he feared. I thought he was a real smart man that knew that he's in with the group of the Sanhedrin and the, and he needed to just keep his cool. But he was following and he was searching and he was doing, you know, he, he was waiting for the kingdom of God. He was just playing it cool with the other ones. Well, what's the opposite of courage? Fear. Then he was afraid. I don't know that he was afraid. But I just he think gained, he was smart if he enough. Got, if he gained courage... He went before Pilate. Was it because well, maybe he was he got, of Romans, or maybe may, he got courage to go and and out maybe himself? It's both. Maybe he got courage to out himself. But yes. I don't think 
I don't think for him to have been the believer he was, he was afraid to be a believer. I just think he was afraid of it, maybe his position in society of coming out. And I think that he got the courage to say, well, it doesn't matter. I'm coming out anyway. And that's an excellent point. I think that's, that's, we deal with that even today. If you're in a, in a church body and you have a lot of different people in that church body and you make a mistake or you commit a sin or you do something wrong, most people try to hide it. They try to oh, keep yeah. it away from mm-hmm. everybody. They don't want to own it necessarily in public. They're going to keep it, you know, and they're not, they're not going to talk about it. That's with the body of believers now. Now, he's with a bunch of people that don't believe but they have a lot of power, right? And what Jesus is being executed for is blasphemy. That's the true execution. The Romans, the Romans allowed it, you know, because of the Caesar problem. Well, that was the way they would, they were able to get it past the Romans. They had to find a loophole. They are because a they'd been bunch, they'd been they? in front of the Romans <laughs> before, and there was no dice, so they had to find something to to, to pass it because they didn't want Jesus around. Because I think the Pharisees and the Sadducees were more afraid of him than. Uh, Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Mm-hmm. They were afraid of what could happen because they had high positions. And was this true? And everyone followed them. Well, they would be out on their ear. I find it very interesting that Joseph makes it into every gospel. I love that, you know, that he makes it. And I think the reason why is because the burial is a part of the gospel. And I'm curious why Nicodemus doesn't. Because Nicodemus and he were like partners in this. Mm-hmm. They were both part of the Sanhedrin. They were, you know, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and they were both behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And then they both buried Jesus and covered him with uh, cloth and, and everything. So they were the, I was just, just interesting going through this that I hadn't ever noticed before that Joseph's in it, but Nicodemus isn't. And if you'll notice, there was, you know where Nicodemus, you know which gospel he's in? Yeah. Well, I don't know what it, uh, I I know where he is and I you know, know what it is? is because he asked Jesus. That's right. He he asked Jesus, but John 3:16 uh I think was written one of the things that I read was that one of the reasons the things for John 3:16 was for the people who felt like Nicodemus and asked the question, how could this be? And John 3:16 explains. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, so Nicodemus shows up in John. You yeah. know, and you and I, we have been talking a lot about who I thought wrote the Gospel of John, but I think it's because he has sort of an inside track. This The author knows these people. He knows them somehow, and he brings out specific points. But And I'm going to get into John 3 in just a little bit because it's part of the burial process. But I think that because Joseph is in all four of the Gospels, it's, it's very clear that there was a reason why Joseph was there. We'll go on to the next two Gospels in a second, but I want to read something. Now, everything that you guys have heard so far in all these podcasts, if have you ever read Isaiah 53? Are you familiar with that passage? I no, know you I'm are, not, right? I don't know that I remember it, but if I heard it, I've, I've, I've read the Bible several times and right. studied. So, In Isaiah 53, this is called the forbidden chapter. Current Hebrews don't read this chapter, Okay. They won't, because this. listen to what it sounds like. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. Do you remember how we were talking about he didn't, he wasn't like beautiful to be, to be beheld. Mm-hmm. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. 
he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Now notice this. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Now listen real close. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. So he made his grave with the wicked. Remember who was beside him on the crosses? The thieves. So he died there. But then he was buried with the rich. Joseph of Arimathea. I see sovereignty in that. I see the I see prophecy being fulfilled in that. Well, he had rich around him from the time of his birth. Mm-hmm. The wise men, the kings. Sure. But what would have happened if he wasn't buried in that rich man's tomb? He may have been thought to be lowly and forgotten. He definitely wouldn't have fulfilled the scripture about him. That's for sure. So it had to happen. The burial, like you said earlier, was about the proof, right? He was put to death like one of the worst criminals ever. Oh, I mean, crucifixion was right. ghoulish. I mean, you died. Most people died by suffocation. Right. They put that thing there up underneath the feet so that you could push yourself up the stock, and, yeah. and, and maintain the agony. Mm-hmm. I did some research that said the longest living person on a cross was nine days. Nine days. That's gasping. Gasp, that's like a fish out of water gasping for breath for nine, for nine days. Wow. Yeah. It hurts to breathe in and breathe out. Yeah. But the only way they can stay alive is to, like you said, stand. And when they stand, they're standing up on the nails that are in their Well, Pilate their had, because of the Passover, Pilate had uh, granted early death for them, which is why the soldiers went and pierced him. Right. And the, for the for the thieves, it said that they took, they broke, <laughs> broke their legs. Their legs. Yeah, and so I did they, a little research so on that. They it's a push giant up. iron hammer that literally destroys the femur. Wow. I mean, so, so that like, you can't push up. It's like misery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yes. You better bring her back to life. <laughs> you better bring that character back to life, Mister. What did he? What did she call him? She had such a funny name for him. That. No, that was <laughs> Kathy Bates is the one that played. Yeah. It. I've never actually seen that movie. Oh, when she what? takes, he's got his just, ankles locked up, and she bangs his ankles. It's and just such a famous him. scene. That yeah, you can invoke it, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that big hammer, that big iron hammer crushed their femurs, you know. But Jesus gave up the ghost at a specific point in time. And then the Romans, you remember we talked about how they were a killing machine, right? No. I mean, this is what they did. Mm -hmm. It's very well known. (laughs) 
they took a, you know, a spear and pierced his side and out came blood and water. I did some research on that too. They said, is it the pericardium? Whenever, from all the suffering, you know, I guess from everything that he'd been through, that there was, there would have been water, I guess, around the heart, fluid. So I guess it looked like water. You're yeah. a nurse. You know more about that, right? Well, yeah. most liquid is more than 90% water anyway. Right. True. Do you mind going on to Luke chapter 23 and reading verse 50 through 56? Luke, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel of Darth Sidious. Yeah. <laughs> now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man, he had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Very good. I'm going to go to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem. These Isaiah 53 that I'm reading, Zechariah, these were 750 years before Jesus was even born. So they will look upon me, you know, the ones that have pierced me. That That's the Roman centurion, you know, that stabs him right? But, you know, earlier in, the, in there, there was a Roman centurion that after he saw the way that he died, he said, surely this was the Son of God. There was a lot going on right here, you know? There's a whole lot at this crucifixion when he dies. I want to ask you a question. Have you guys ever been around a dead person before? Yes. Yes. Briefly. Yeah. Briefly? Yeah, yeah. At a funeral. Yeah, I that's, mean, yeah, that's yeah. the extent. No, I, yeah. I watched a couple of people go. Did you? Last breath, yeah. My dad and my brother-in-law, my, my stepbrother. To, it's one thing to watch someone die. It's another thing to be on a council who is making sure that someone's dying. And it's another thing to be a secret disciple of this man that you're, that's being put to death. And you didn't speak up prior. Nicodemus did. Nicodemus actually speaks up and they're like, oh, are you one of his believers? But I think that's after. I can't, I can't remember exactly when Nicodemus does this, but he does it. He actually speaks out and they, he gets ridiculed by the other part of the council, the 70 members of the Sanhedrin. 70 or 71, I can't remember exactly. But think about how hard it would be to get a body off of the cross. It didn't say that the Romans did it for him. They allowed him to go get it. So that means that he has to remove what? Nails. Right. He has to remove nails. Having removed nails from a board, you usually are prying against the board to pull the nails out. Right. That seems like it would not be the same with human, you know, with a leg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how are you getting those nails out? I mean, I don't know how they nailed them to the cross exactly, but how, you know? 
So they have to take him down off the cross. Your uh, answer to your question about you're not sure when he did it. He did it before. Uh, Nicodemus kept an open mind and heart towards Jesus. Once the Pharisees sought to bring Jesus in for questioning, he even spoke up for Jesus saying, Our law does not judge people without first giving him a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? And that's... uh, So that was before. Does it say where that was in Scripture at exactly? Yes. So John, John, 51, John, John 751, 751 or someplace I don't know. John 751. Now, that's interesting. I never even thought about that being in the book of John. So I'm going to go back and read the actual Scripture. Oh, wow. It says, Then answered the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered him, The Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. So because Nicodemus had so much faith in this man, they're like, do you even know the Bible? Do you even know the Old Testament? Nothing good comes out of Galilee. You know, it kind of reminds me of the, I think it was uh, Nathaniel maybe early on when he says, does something good come out of Nazareth? Like, what are you talking about? Like, he didn't, but he was, we know that he was born in Bethlehem and then taken to Egypt and then brought out of Egypt and, you know, settled in Nazareth, but he was in Galilee. And so nothing good should have come out of there, but obviously the greatest thing. Okay. Uh, so nothing good comes out of Galilee. Uh-huh. Where's that from? Uh, you, you're kind of saying it as if. John just, chapter seven. Can you read that for yeah. me? Just because, I mean, you're saying it like, haha, everybody knows, you know, this reference, but no. So they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? They're asking Nicodemus, you know, this uh-huh. this fellow member of the council. Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Okay, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, so, like prophecy. So Not, the, the two that are saying out of Galilee arise no prophet, what is that in reference to? Is that in reference to like some other verse or is that, that just them being like, that's not a thing? Jesus is speaking in such a way that it's blowing these people away. Their minds are getting blown, right? He's done it ever since he was 12 years old. If he gets around these people, he is the actual word of God. So he's confounding them. No matter what age he is, he's confounding these men with his own wisdom. And they, they're so shocked by it. And so they're trying to capture him and kill him. They're trying to kill Jesus. They're, they want to capture him and stone him to death and because he's claiming to be God. And they're but saying, why, look. But it's, maybe it's just the phrasing. It's like, well, why it, are they the, because so— Because Galileans were Gentiles. They weren't Jews, and they were despised by the Jews. Ah, see, that's, that's what I was getting at. Like, why do they sound so certain that a prophet cannot come from this particular place? Because they're I not one of us. I don't know that they're us. Gentiles. Mm, that would have been some, Samaria, mm. right? Galileans, and, and out of this book, when I looked it up, who's in the Bible? And, and, and it says, Galileans, uh, inhabitants, mostly Gentile, of Galilee and northern Palestine who were despised. By the Jews. Okay. Ah, see, okay, there. there. Go, That's the better. that is the context. Yeah, I was wondering because it just was like this given that to me just didn't make any sense. Like, you know, nobody from Galilee 
can skateboard good. You're yeah. like, like, <laughs> right. why, why, why? Who says this? Because they're not allowed to have skateboards over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, then, and I think we talked about that once before a couple of podcasts ago about uh, about the Gentiles and how the Jews felt about them. Yeah. Sure. But I didn't know that Galilee, I didn't know that Galilee was primarily Gentiles and was despised by the Jews. I didn't know that. Because Jesus was a Galilean. But this is great because, you know, we know in his lineage, right, he had two Gentiles in the blood. He had Ruth that was from Moab, and he had Rahab, the harlot, from uh, Jericho. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, in his lineage. So, you know. Jesus. We all have one of them uncles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of those old harlot aunts, great aunts. I love my Uncle Garth, and you'll speak no ill of him. <laughs> <laughs> I used my crazy Uncle Harvey. He passed away, God rest his soul. But whenever he died, he went out just like um, Red Fox, you know, whenever he was in... Uh, Elizabeth, I'm yes. coming to get you, baby. I think it's the big one. <laughs> he, he had the big one. And he goes, oh, this is the big one. And he went down and died. <laughs> really? Wow. It's real. Wow. He, took, he had a humor, man. He had a humor. <laughs> he died man. doing the, the Fred Sanford. Wow. He didn't ask for a bottle. Oh of yeah, you got your got your right hand on your heart, and you got your left hand out, and <laughs> looking up to the heavens. Oh Elizabeth, I'm wow. coming to you. This is the big one. <laughs> he died doing a red fox bit. That's, that's great. Yeah. He did the clean version. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he did the TV <laughs> version. No, it wasn't even. <laughs> it was the bad version. Yeah, right? yeah. Anyway, so I didn't know that about Galley. Thank you, Ralph, for sharing that. That's good to know. So. That's cool that Nicodemus, you know, he spoke up beforehand. He's already beginning, you know, to sort of show. Gain his boldness. Yeah, he's starting to show himself there. Since we're on the topic of Nicodemus, I wanted to bring this up. In John chapter 3, he comes to visit Jesus by night. When he goes to Jesus, he, you know, he says, nobody could do what you do unless you were from God. Like, I know that. He knows that. Nobody could do that. And Jesus didn't listen to any of the hubbub that he might have been bringing. You know, he just said, yeah, you must be born again. That's it. And, you must and, be born again. And that's where Nicodemus had a big question. Because how like, could you? Yeah. He he went so far as to ask the question, can a man enter into his mother's womb again? Right. You know, I don't think he was joking. I think he's trying to figure it out. Like, okay, so how does this work? You know, I mean, obviously I don't want to try to get in my mom's womb. You know, she doesn't have any more womb in there. Oh, no. No. But he says something to Nicodemus that I love. I love, and I did a deep study on it. It's amazing. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up and draw all men unto himself. Have you ever studied that? Do you know what he's talking about? I don't know if I've studied it, but I've read it many times. Yeah, I think it's in, I'm going to read it because I, I really, you got to understand about this burial, these two men that are taking him off the cross, okay? The hard thing about reading the Bible every year is every year I realize how much stupider I get because I think I understand something and then you come back the next year and you're like, well, I didn't know what I was talking about, did I? I think that's <laughs> just know, a life it's, thing. It's like, I, I feel like the NASCAR when they drive around the track and what they have now on their windshield are like six or seven layers. 
and they peel a layer off. They don't have to wash the window anymore. They peel a layer off so you have a fresh windshield. And I feel like every year when I read it, I'm peeling layers and getting more and more clear. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus, when he came, when, when he... When he goes to the people, where I've, is? I've never heard anybody he, compare the Bible to NASCAR before. He's like Bill Elliott, put some rotten wall, buddy. When <laughs> Jesus down, comes son. back to the apostles. That's what the centurion said um, when they put Jesus on the cross. <laughs> put that hammer down, boy. Hammer down. Why don't you this, act like Chase Elliott? <laughs> when he came back to the apostles, there's a the, it, 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 um, in Luke uh, 20, I think it's 2444. The scriptures opened. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And you've said that many times mm-hmm. where you thought that he spoke in parables and that many people couldn't understand them mm-hmm. because they didn't have the understanding. And I think that as I study more, that's why I said that about the windshield. I feel like the more I study, the clearer it gets, but I only get what I can handle. That makes total sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Your understanding in God's timing mm-hmm. as you read, each time you read it. You've had that, right? You, yeah. You remember when you started? Yes. And where you are now, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember when I started. Isn't that a uh, isn't that Dr. Seuss book, the one that has all the question marks on the page? <laughs> there, there we go. Just insert a picture of me right there. Yeah. <laughs> so when Jesus was was you know Nicodemus comes under the cover of night you know to talk to Jesus about this, and then Jesus brings up this about Moses and the serpent. Nicodemus would have understood this very well because he was of the Sanhedrin. He knew the law. He knew the first, especially the Torah, the first five books. And this comes out of Numbers 21. And it Numbers 21, verse 4, and they journey, talking about the Israelites. Okay, they're they're in the wilderness. They've they've escaped, you know, this exodus out of Egypt, and then they got close to the promised land, but then they backed off, and now they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And this is during that time of wandering. It says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Notice that. They spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. They're talking about the manna. manna. Yeah. Yeah. Like God's giving them bread. Literally, it's gr- it's it's coming in the dew and it's just like whoop, right on the ground for them to eat every day. He smacks the rock and gets them some water. <laughs> exactly. Like they, they are always complaining. And the Lord sent fiery serpents, meaning poisonous snakes, among the people and they bit the people and much people of Israel died. So there's a judgment, correct? They were groaning and complaining, so God sent poisonous snakes and killed them, poisoned them to death, right? Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord, they ask him. Pray unto the Lord, that he take away the serpents from us. That's what they asked for. Pray that he takes away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent— and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. 
And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. This is what Jesus is talking about to Nicodemus. He's like, in the same way the serpent was lifted up, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. He's comparing the two. He's comparing himself to a brass serpent in the middle of the desert. But what's the point? The people ask God to do what? You, you come to me and look upon me and, and, and say, I believe, and I will save your life. You will have eternity with me. That's it. So, but did he take away the snakes? No, he didn't. No. He did not take away. He gave, gave us choice. So, if he didn't take away the snakes, he, they asked, please take away the snakes. Have you ever asked God to take away a sin from your life? Yes. Have you ever had a sin and asked, asked God to for, take for, it away? I've asked for forgiveness. I don't know if I've ever talk, asked to take it away, but I've asked for forgiveness so that it won't be written in the book, so that it will be read against me. But I think that, for me personally, I think that, I still have the sins I've committed in my mind to keep me from sinning. Mm-hmm. And that is my little devil sitting on this side going, yeah, you've been there before. And you could go there again, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what happened afterwards? Mm-hmm. And who's around you now that that affects? And is it worth it? So I asked for it in a different way. I asked for forgiveness not to take it away. What about you, Billy, when you're doing all that sinning that you do all the yeah, time? Yeah, I, I think I'm with Ralph on this one. Uh, well, this, I am from California, so that does make me a sinner. Well, maybe I'm not with Ralph. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's more um, forgiveness than take it away because at the end of the day, it's still your call. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think we've talked about it before, like with the free will and and – you have a choice. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's more of a forgive this. And, and I know. love the free will part of, of God. I really do. Mm-hmm. I'm raising a, a 14-year-old daughter, and she just turned 15. And we've, we recently had a, a conversation where I said, I want you to start talking back because I want you to learn how to stand up for yourself. And the only thing we're going to do is when you get disrespectful, let you know that there's a line there and you have to find a different way of saying what you're saying. We still want you to stand up for yourself, and I still want you to get in my face, but you're going to have a lot of choices. And society says this, and you have to decide what part of that you want to be a part of, but you need to learn how to stand up for yourself and then make the right choices. And I like that we get to make the choice. At the end of the day, it was our choice. Whatever happened, we have to live with, we had a choice to Mm -hmm. go left or right, and we took that choice, and now we're responsible for everything that happened because of it. And those snakes are still there, but I think they're there too for a reason to say, hey, I did that before, I did that. And after a while, you don't even need to say, I did that before. You can just recognize Mm -hmm. the snakes. What about you, Rick? Oh, yeah. Like pornography, you know, early on, like you, you have this lust of the flesh, you know, and you're supposed to be focusing on your wife, and yet there could be uh, a picture or an image or something, and suddenly you're like, oh, man, you know, she looks pretty hot. You know, I like that. And then you feel bad, like you're like, oh. I mean, I know I'm a man, and I know that or whatever, but I don't want to look at that. God, take that away from me. Even Paul asked for that. Were you getting ready to say that, too? Wow. I was just thinking about Paul, and he said, let us set aside this, this sin that easily— so beset us. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking, yes, obviously, when we come across things that we recognize that we have sinned before with, we're going to 
do our best to avoid it. But there are certain things that I honestly think that your flesh just desires no matter what. And multiple times you find yourself tripping over the same stumbling block, thinking sometimes, you know, I'm not going to, or I recognize this. But the next thing you know, blam, there you are. You fell mm. right back down again. And um, I think especially in America, we have shiny thing syndrome. The mm-hmm. new shiny thing, the new shiny thing, the new shiny thing, the new shiny thing. And so it could be different every time. Yeah, I mean, everybody has a different vice, I guess is the best way to say it. That one thing that gets you. And that I found myself saying, you know, obviously, you know, this is my weakness, whatever it may be, spending money or whatever, that, you know, you're supposed to be a good steward, everything that he gives you. And so you have to ask, you know, just like they said, they said, take the snakes away. Well, I mean, Lord, help me overcome this stumbling block because it is there and it's not going anywhere, but I need help. I, I have asked to have that taken away from me, not my sin, but the urge. The temptation. The temptation. Yeah. Take, take, take there, there have been, I'm glad you said that because there have been things in my life and probably still are, Amazon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> please, please take Amazon away. <laughs> the shiny spinner. I have not made a, I have not made a purchase Coming on out. eBay for seven months. I made a, a conscious decision not to. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> right? That's like eternity. But uh, there have been things that I have said, take this away from me. Because I don't want this in my life. Yeah. So where we are right now in this conversation, I think is wonderful. And I want, I would lo- like for you to read the part in John now, because this is, we'll wrap it up in the next, it's probably going to be another 15 or 20, Andy. I hope that's okay yes, with everybody's sir. time frame. It's your money. Uh, John chapter 19, verse 35. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one yet had been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Excellent. So I want you to think about this for a second. You got two secret disciples, one that's sort of getting some courage, and here they are. When Nicodemus comes with Joseph to get the body, to take him to be buried, this is the moment when Nicodemus learns the lesson that Jesus taught in John chapter 3. This is where Nicodemus learns it. He says, just as the serpent was lifted up, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up and draw all men into himself. Nicodemus would have known exactly what Jesus was saying at that moment. He may not have known earlier, or he may, I don't know, but I can guarantee you at this moment, he knows exactly what he's talking about. And you know what we said earlier about, did he take the sins away? Did he take the, not the sins away, did he take the serpents away? And the answer was no. 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 There is something different about Jesus though, because do you remember what John the Baptist said? Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the taketh world. Taketh away. Now, God didn't take away the serpents, but Jesus does something different because of what's just been prophesied about him, what are we talking about today? 
burial. He took it with him to the grave. He took it and laid it there. Okay? Now, he does some things during this time. It's in 1 Peter. I'm not going to get into that, but if you want, go to 1 Peter, I think, chapter 5, and you'll find out what Jesus did when he was absent from the body. Okay? He goes and preaches to the spirits. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But in this moment, Jesus, whenever the earth went dark, whenever all of these things happened and the earth quaked and all this, this separation of the Son and the Father was a catastrophe in history, but also one of the most beautiful things that ever happened. It was literally about sin. And Andy, all of the talk in my atheist household, and I say that to you just because we, we have a lot in common from our background. I don't care what we talk about, about whether this was a miraculous thing or whatever. It's always about sin. It's about the inside of man, the heart. What's wrong with us? There's something that's wrong with us. Yeah, we can be good or whatever, and we're bad, or whatever. But there's something innately wrong with all humanity. I'm sorry, there just is. And that's what Jesus is dealing with in the taking away. But yet we still see people sinning. So how did he take it away? And it's like, because we're dispensationalists and we're Baptists or whatever, we're waiting for that blessed hope, and then there's going to be a time of this, and then it's all going to be gone, and the lion can lay with the lamb. I don't think so. I think it's now, because it happens inside of us. When we're baptized, it's we're basically aligning with what Christ does right after his crucifixion. He's buried. You take it and you bury it, Okay. But did you notice what he said in the Gospel of John right there? He just said that he wrapped him with linen and spices, as was the custom of the Jews. Mm -hmm. This is something that I didn't know about the custom of the Jews. Did you know that his entire body had to be free of any foreign matter and washed according to the custom of the Jews? I knew washed. I didn't know free from foreign— Free from all foreign matter. What does that mean? That means that anything... So the nails and all nails of everything... And any, anything. I want you to imagine a crown of thorns and how hard that might be to take it from that blessed head. Oh, yeah. Like the ram in the thicket, you know. Think about all the time they have to spend wiping that spit off of his hair when people were spitting at him. Oh, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about when they... The flogging? The flogging. The scourging? Oh, Splinters. yeah. Splinters from the cross. the cross that was in his back. Now think about the two men that are doing it. It doesn't ever mention that they had servants with them, does it? It's my opinion that they didn't have servants with them. And here's why. Because they were defiling themselves. Did you know that? It was a Sabbath day. Right. It was a high Sabbath. It was a preparation. It was, it was too late. Day. Yeah, and they were, they were people that knew because they were part of the... The elite class, the, the Sanhedrin. That's right. And they had just went, number one, they defiled themselves. Joseph defiled himself the minute he entered into a Roman sanctuary and talked to, talked to Pilate. He was already defiled. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is a seven-day feast. He was ruined. So Joseph took himself out of the mix. He was defiled. Nicodemus was defiled. Why? You're not allowed to touch a dead body. That's Old Testament. You're not allowed to touch a dead body. So not only did they get courage and look at all of their enemies and say, I'm going to take this, this blessed man who's bringing the kingdom of God. He's the one that's going to take all of my sins away. But guess what? Are they actually defiled by handling the Son of God? <laughs> no way. I think not. Absolutely not. I would not. say cleansed. Cleansed. 
that's a beautiful <laughs> word, Ralph. That's beautiful. So that they have to wipe the spit and the blood and the sweat and the dirt and all of the things out of his hair. They have to clean all of those splinters and, and the thorns and all of the things out of his body. They have to wash every square inch. But you know what's interesting? Jesus actually had a woman that did that for him before he died. It was the sister of Lazarus. After Lazarus was raised, remember? She breaks that very expensive ointment that was mm -hmm. worth $100,000. Oh, yeah. At the time, I mean, I, I mean, at the time, that was a lot, a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. Would you guys like to take $1,000 and break it and pour it on somebody's head? So this woman does it for him. And here's the, here, this is the crazy part of how all this works. This woman is literally cleaning his feet, weeping and cleaning her feet because he raised her brother from the dead. It says that he loved her. Remember? He loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. This was a very intimate moment for him. And Judas speaks up and says, what a waste. We could be selling that and feeding the poor. Oh, I'm sure you were, Judas. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to feed the poor with this money, with huh? With those 30 shekels. Line his pocket. Exactly. He wanted to take that $100,000. He was disgusted. I don't think Judas was the person that he's been made out to be. What do you mean? I think he believed in Jesus. I think he was a believer and a follower. And yeah. I think he believed all the way. I think he was afraid. I think he was afraid of what would happen to them if yeah, – I think he was human. Mm -hmm. I think he got afraid at the last minute and he panicked. And I, and I think that's only part of it. Uh -huh. I think the other part is I think there's part of it he didn't believe in. Mm -hmm. He believed in Jesus and he believed in God, but some of the things that Jesus was saying and the, the rabble-rousing that was happening because of it – I don't think he was for that. He's like, hey, wait a minute here. I thought we had a nice movement going on, and you want to change the whole world, and that's too much for me to handle. And that's when he got everybody else involved. So I think he was. I think he showed his humanity. And I hope, and I don't care what anybody says, I hope, and just like I said about the devil the last time, mm -hmm. I hope at the last second he said, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Mm -hmm. Because then we'll see him when we get there. And you have a beautiful heart, Ralph. You do. You do. And and I'll admit that, you know. I, d I do. But it's not true for everyone. There are a lot of people that reject Christ. And oh, there I will agree. Be, there are consequences But wouldn't it be that. great at the last minute he said, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me. Mm -hmm. We don't, none of us know that. It's not written anywhere. And well, nobody was written. there. It is written because Jesus called him the son of perdition, and that's eternal damnation. He said it would have been better for him to have never been born. Yes, but Jesus said that before he died, and then he died, and then was raised, and then Judas died by killing himself. So we don't know what Judas said the second before he died. Probably. <laughs> Is that bad or what? Oh, my gosh. Took you right out of the moment. I, uh, I when I first read about Judas, I felt sorry for him. I thought, geez, did you just bring him into this world just to peg him like that and then, you know, leave him to go to hell. Um, but when you read in there and it says Satan entered into Judas, I guess my take on that is, could Satan enter into Judas if he truly was a believer of Christ? If he belonged to Christ. Well, I think so because he enters into all of us daily and we're all true believers. I don't know about that. Well, I, 
I mean, I, mean, I think we, it's we probably have, we our have flesh. flesh. We have yeah. flesh. We have a sinful well, yeah. nature, thanks to Adam. That's yes. a part of our lives. But that Satan was a deceiver. Satan deceived Eve, and then sin came into her. He's not living in, living inside of him. Remember what he said to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You know, was Peter Satan? No, it was it was the influence, the things that were evil, the things right. that were deceptive. When he said, "But I'm, I think that I think the devil can enter us at any time, even though we are a sinner, and then we have to realize that and and renounce that." I mean, we could get into a really deep conversation about that. About you know, like I said about Job, how God allowed you know Satan to do things to Job against, and it had nothing to do with Job whatsoever. It was just because God allowed it. I mean, I think sure, maybe Satan could enter into someone if he allowed, but. Judas, in, in his own mind, I mean, if you follow him, you'll notice that I think he believed in Jesus to begin with because he was the Messiah. I mean, I think he believed in him for powerful reasons. His father, Simon, was a powerful man. He got upset when the woman abused this thing and, and they lost all that money. He kept the money bag and used to line his own pockets with it. It was always about power and prestige and being somewhere. And when he realized that Jesus was going to lay down and wipe his feet with water— he, he took off his clothes and put on a towel, and he got on his knees, and he wiped Judas's feet. Judas got that treatment as a servant. That is not power. That is awful in Judas's mind. And so Judas was disgusted. At that moment is whenever Judas decided, right after that woman wasted that money and Jesus did that servanthood, this is not the Messiah that I thought he was going to be. And he went immediately and started asking for money. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to save myself here in the I don't end. think he asked for money. I think he went to go tell, and they offered him money. Yeah. But, and I don't think he was as evil as been made out to be, and I don't think he started out that way. I think at a certain point, there were parts of what Jesus was doing that scared him, um, whether it was that he was going to lose his place or lose his power or lose money, but I think at a certain point, he got afraid. Yeah. And there was like, I mean, okay, it's, I, think I, I don't believe it, because there were parts of the Bible over the years that I've had problems with. Uh-huh. And when I got divorced, well, I tell you, I cursed the Lord. I was angry. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, all my life, just all I've ever wanted, all I've ever done is serve you, and then you do this. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at the choice I made and uh, how I got into what I got into, sure, uh, uh, and 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 pointing the fingers, looking at the fingers pointing at me. Um, but I think, and so let's say at that moment when I was cursing God, I died. Right. Let's say Judas would live long enough to say, wow, I screwed up. I need to be on the other side. Sure. So that's why there's hope for me to say, I hope that at the last second he realized. Yeah. You got a sweetheart, Ralph. You do. I mean, and it's okay. I, th I mean, I'm not, I will agree to disagree only because I feel that strongly that Judas betrayed Jesus that hardcore. It was deep. Satan entered into him when he sopped in the bowl and he went oh, I don't say he it kissed wasn't, him. I, I don't he say walked it wasn't up and terrible. kissed him so that they could capture him. For some silver, you know? the temptation. Yeah. He's a thief. So yeah. yeah, I mean, just to go up and kiss Jesus just to alarm everybody, you know. But I guess, you know, look, if let's say that Judas did, just for the sake of argument, and I'm gonna go with you, Ralph, and say I agree with you, regardless. Jesus died for the sin of all mankind. If a man repents of that sin and and believes that he did what he did, then our sin is buried in that same tomb with him. Okay. And it's dealt with completely. A sinless, holy son of God dealt with it in some very painful ways under the cover of darkness between him and God. 
and God hammered it out. You know, the Father hammered it out. He dealt with it. But since we, I think this is a good place to end because now I think we understand like in the burial, after Jesus, you know, is clean and wrapped and they've sealed the stone and, and they've got a guard that's out there, then it's safe to say that they did everything in their power to keep him in the grave. That oh, was the plan. Absolutely. Yeah. So join us next time on the Burrows of Maria. I think I know what you did last night. <laughs> if you send me a thousand dollars, I won't tell your wife. Does anybody know who that is? No clue. It sounded like Bruce Dern. It's Ted Haggard. Are oh, you really? familiar with Ted Haggard? No. Ted, that was the movie Jesus Camp. Ted Haggard was the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. He had one of the largest mega churches. And he was hardcore on against homosexuality until it was discovered that, that he, he was, was purchasing meth and having sex with gay prostitutes. What is it with the people wow. that are like... Wow. Man, people that are like passionately anti-gay. Yeah, you gotta you got look behind the curtain on those guys. Uh, yeah, it, it does people like... When they're like, that's their day, like they just like, they're chopping carrots and they like turn around like, gay people are awful. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, you're just like, all, so all I said was stuff. hand me the pesto. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ted Haggard uh, had a dramatic fall from grace. However, uh, he's interviewed on CNN and there they have, there's a, reporter that's asking him some questions and they're saying, you know, did you engage in homosexuality? No. Okay. But you've been let go because of this sexual scandal or whatever. Did you purchase methamphetamines? I did purchase meth. <laughs> you did, but I didn't use it. You didn't use it. No, I threw it away. Yeah. What? I did buy it. I'm not going to lie. I did buy it, but I threw it away. Yeah, Fast yeah. forward a year and he admits it in front of a national audience on Oprah and says, I lied about being a homosexual. I lied about these the tendencies that I had, the compulsions that I had, the things that were living me in. And I also lied about having sex with gay prostitutes and with buying meth. I did all of it. I lied. Then I'm sorry. And we and, talked about that earlier, about people concealing things about themselves. Yeah, and he holds... he. I used to make fun of Ted Haggard a lot. I did. I used to love it. Like Takes I thought, a lot oh, of I love it when chutzpah. they have a big fall from grace and they're super holy men and they break down. Like I used to love to make fun of them. Yeah, but to apologize in front of the whole world yeah, takes but, a lot of. Yeah, but, yeah, did you but hear it Jimmy depends Swagger? on the motivation. Yeah, I did too many times. <laughs> too many times I watched that. He was a crier anyway. Yeah. At, at some, a lot of those guys at some point they just figured there's more money and better PR in the admission. Those those are frequently not admissions made because they're humble, improving people. It's because they think that's the way forward for well, their told money. By, and they're their told effort. by everybody else that's the way forward. Because yeah, Jim Baker got to keep and got to stay on TV and yeah. radio and do all of that because he came out right away and said, once he got caught, he said, yes. Yeah. That's, I did. Did yes, his time not, and moved on. When it's it some some of those guys, I wager a lot of them when they admit it, it's not them being contrite. It's that's them taking the only path they see forward to retain their wealth. Oh, the doors status. are closed until you say you're sorry. You're caught. Say you're sorry, and we'll open a door for that's you. That's right, and that's and so I think these guys are not apologizing for. <laughs>
any reason. Hey, that, God seeks yeah. after a broken and a contrite spirit, and it's difficult for us to know when to forgive, but we're always supposed to forgive, yep. no matter what. Well, you can always forgive. That doesn't mean you have to associate with. That's true. I'm not going to have any gay sex or meth today. <laughs> Proud of you. Proud of today. you, <laughs> Did you notice my little hang around there? <laughs> today. <Yeah>. Today. <laughs> I will not hang out with uh, Ted Haggard today. <laughs> <laughs> I always used to. I don't have to worry about Ted. I don't charge. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. It's rough though. <laughs> a friend of mine, Jason and I, we used to watch, we used to laugh about like Hogan's Heroes. Did you ever watch that show? It's an oh, old yeah. show, and uh, well, I only had one channel as a kid. Oh, we okay. poor, sorry. Yeah, channel thirteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he would, you know, was it? What was the name of the uh, the German that would always say uh, Hogan? Do you remember that? It was a was oh yeah, Colonel Clink. Colonel Clink. Yeah, Clink. I see nothing. I know nothing. Oh yeah, that's Sergeant say, Schultz. Hogan. And every time somebody would do something bad, we'd go Hogan. <laughs> We did that for a long time. I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> That's it. It has been great to have you here. I didn't get to. Uh, I talked too much. Did you notice? I know you. I would like for you to come back though for the resurrection for sure. Okay. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, Andy, are we on the schedule for next week? Uh, I don't believe so. You have got, I swear, <laughs> if you don't fix your calendar, I'm supposed to have every Tuesday for the rest of oh, my yeah, life. Oh, you are. What? What? I thought you oh, wow. you are. There Seven. you go. What is yeah. next Tuesday? Is that what yeah. you sent me? Next yeah. Tuesday is a side study. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Hey. And it should be. And that is and that is going forward. Can can I cancel next Tuesday? <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I'm not going to no, be No, I here. actually yeah. wanted to know if I could push it to 630. Oh yeah, that's no problem. Okay, great. For me. So next next week, six thirty, Ralph. Sure. Side studying. So I need to write in my. Yeah, keep talking away from that mic, Ralph. <laughs> it's not plugged in. Oh, oh yeah. he's he's packed. He, he's dismantling. I've already been cut. Oh, well, don't necessarily cut all that. I like the the little banter. The rest of the just I mean everything's on. We're actually still recording. As if you hear quietly in the background, Ralph unscrewing his equipment. <laughs> <laughs> he's leaving go. before it's even <laughs> yeah. over. Anyway, well, thanks, Billy Kimsey. Yep, and back Rob. from slaughtering the beef, right? <laughs> that's right. That's where you were last time. Yeah, right? that's where. That's why I missed the the last. And where's podcast. ours? It's still carrying. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. How much do we get? <laughs> you killed a you killed a a cow. Yeah, slaughtered it. Yeah, you cut it open and put it in the freezer. Chopped it up. Yep, all that good stuff. I used to work at this pawn shop and people would just bring by ground up venison and give it to the owner who really? would never yeah. eat it, just throw it in a freezer we had and we could just take it home whenever we wanted. Weird perks at that place that I really miss. Wow. Yeah. In season, I remember that. Know? That was over at the uh behind the old uh Blockbuster, right? Is uh, that where you worked? No, it's the one next to Lowe's. Oh, okay. Oh, right beside those. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I thought you worked at the one over there by the... Oh, on that side of town, huh? You know what? <laughs> you know what? I literally worked at that one for a little while, like a hundred years ago. You did? Yeah. I remember you working I there. I sure Not did. literally a hundred years ago. Because I used, oh, to, man, I used to go in there and like, I was one of those irritating guys that always wanted to play the guitar, you You're, know, you were looking in a pawn for... shop. Oh, oh, yeah. Homo That's prostitutes. <laughs> I've worked at two pawn shops in my life. I don't know what that says about. <laughs> well, I can tell you this much: if you ever say you're sorry, I'm not going to believe you. <laughs> 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 anyway, 
All right. Well, thanks, uh, Cherry Lewis and Rob Hicks and Andy Bishop here at Draft Studio. Uh, join us next week. We have uh, the side, the next side study. We're going to wrap up that on Lazarus and the rest of my heresy. Because the conversation had to do with testicles, and then you went to John. <laughs> well, or lack of, but I was like, I, I find it ironic that John is the a John is a pimp, and, and is that is no? It it's, John is the person ap- that gets the stuff from the pimp. Oh, he's a John. The John is not the pimp. Is it not? No, I don't. The pimp, Ralph, the, the pimp is the receiver. Pimp yeah, the pimp I just know about receiver. donkeys. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I thought a fixed donkey would be like a the John dink, is the dinky, like a dinky, the pay or a dinky sounds good. So, anyway, we just did a wild amount of crosstalk. I just it wasn't bad because probably none of this is getting used, but I just want to point that out. Just so it's a thing. I just thought we were getting levels. Oh, we are, but. Oh, I like to throw this crap on the back, you know. You sometimes. notice the cherry is just killing it. Right oh, yeah. yeah. She's oh, like, yeah. all this talk about Johns and... She, Female donkeys yeah. and dinkies and donkeys and flock of donkeys and... And then the did cherry. You, did you say flog a donkey last time? <laughs> no, flock a donkey. Flock, yeah, kind of... Combine it so all together. So do you know what a group of donkeys is called? I looked it up. Yeah, you, you, you uh, texted it to me this morning. It so. is a... Uh, a drove, right? A drove. Drove. A drove of donkeys. Uh, 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 and I had said a flock of geese. That's incorrect. It's a gaggle of geese. Uh, okay. So oh, a wow. drove of donkeys. A flock double of seagulls. D. Flock of seagulls is yeah. correct. Double D podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> Designated donkey. <laughs> double the, double we're D. We're losing her, guys. D-D's. She's backing out of the room. She's going to, like Homer, uh, into the hedge. <laughs> U87? Yeah, U87. It's a very classic microphone. Hmm. It's not just the, you know. You can use it for a lot of different things. It's just not one thing. It, it's Oh, yeah. It's a great mic. And it's, and for highs, it's it just, there's no better. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, I would say that's. It's better for getting high. Yeah, it's better for getting high. Sweet. I wouldn't say there's no better mic. But oh, it's, no, there's it's, plenty it's of. A very, it's a very good bet. For an all-around mic, it's a great mic. That's, that's the thing about. There it. are better mics for this or for that or for this. That's exactly right. Really expensive classic mics have become that way because they're reliable to just throw up on relatively anything, and you're at least going to be fine. That's what you're getting for big money. You're getting a sort of reliability. For good money, just buy a 421, and you can use it all day long. Yeah. Man, right. we could have a podcast just about oh, yeah, that. Yeah, talking Spanish up in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> You can 420 it. Yeah. 420 that high. I feel like the 421 is a little scooped, so I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Yeah, we are uh, rolling. And, okay. and unless anybody needs anything from me, we're just uh, good to go.